everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are coming at you today with a Monza recap. What we consider to be a pretty uneventful race was actually made more fun by grid penalties galore, a controversial safety car finish, a fun rookie debut in Formula One. So despite it being maybe not as an exciting race on the book, there was plenty of fun things to talk about. So we're super excited to talk about that today. As always, follow us on Instagram at F1RTheGirls. We're also on Twitter and definitely join us on our Discord. There's a lot going on. So with that, I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. Okay, so into our main takeaways from the weekend. For me, not the most exciting race, despite the incredible starting grid and the temple of speed. I was sad to see it end under the safety car, which we'll talk a lot about. Not at all surprised to see Max win, of course. The Red Bull is just so fast, and he really is just the dominant driver on the grid, regardless of where he starts. So that was not a surprise, but still great to see how fast someone can go and how well they can do. I think the two biggest highlights for me were Sainz's drive from P18 to P4. Just yes, you beautiful. must have just yes. loved that. <laughs> Chef's kiss, Sainz. Just beautiful passing. Also sort of calling his own strategy out there, requesting the stop for soft tires. And the other highlight for me was Nick DeVries' debut drive, which a lot of people are talking about. But to score points in your first race in a Williams is legendary. And I think also just given the relatively little procedural experience he has in an F1 car, we really just have to appreciate how smooth it went considering that and the fact that he wasn't even respect expecting to race. Like he literally found out the day before he thought he was just going to show up and do FP1 for Aston Martin. So that was awesome to see. He is also ahead of Latifi in the driver's championship. So if that was an interview for the job, then DeVries aced it. So I hope to see him in that seat over Latifi next year, but we'll see. I also wanted a bit more excitement from this race, from how hectic the grid was. Like George P2, both McLaren's on the second row. I was expecting a little more, but it was fun to see some incredible drives. As Tiggy said, Max from P7 to podium position by the start of lap two, which is insane. Carlos from P18 to P5 by the start of lap 12. Lewis from P19 to finish in P5. And then also, as Tiggy said, just an amazing debut from Nick DeVries. It was really nice to see how happy other drivers on the grid were for him. And also another thing I wanted to mention was Ferrari has gotten a lot of criticism, as per usual, for pitting Charles so early on lap 12 under the VSC. But both Christian and Mattia, who were in agreement for once, pointed out <laughs> that it was already pretty clear at that point that Max was just way faster. So far I had to try to go for a different strategy or try to do something different from what, what Red Bull was doing and do a two-stop instead of Max's attempted one-stop. So they kind of just not one of their mega disaster calls. And shout out to Albon. It's so scary that he had severe complications after such a routine surgery. So we really hope he's doing okay. Yeah, that was really scary. For me, like I said in the intro, my main takeaway is that I was expecting a lot more from this race. I think the track speed coupled with the layout of it, with the straights and all of the grid penalties that were happening definitely had me ready for something crazy. We did see a few moments of action or wheel-to-wheel -wheel action in the midfield and at the bottom of the midfield, but overall I actually think this race 
really just cemented how good Red Bull is looking and Max's sheer skill to go from P7 to podium positions at the start of the race is unreal. So overall, not much happened in my book, but definitely Red Bull continues to shine. So let's do how our hot takes held up. What about you, Sarah? I said Max win and Charles on podium, so those came true, but I also said the Mercedes car would be looking bad, and I think George and Lewis would probably beg to differ after their performances (laughs) on Sunday. Of course, they're not entirely pleased with the car, but I think Lewis's drive was a pretty definitive statement that the car was, was at least something to work with this weekend. Yeah, totally. It was interesting to hear George sort of talking about how on paper, again, it's a great result, but he it just feels really moody and temperamental. Like they were looking great in practice for FP1 and then like the rest of the weekend, he just felt like it was a very strange experience with the car. So I hope they figure that out. For mine, I said both McLarens in the top 10 and sort of tacked on a Hail Mary Danny in the top five. Uh, It was... (laughs) Honestly, it was definitely in the realm of possibility given given the starting grid. I mean, they were locking out the second row, but alas, Lando at least finished P7, but Danny did DNF keeping that Monza curse alive, unfortunately. Tiggy, how about you start with MVPs? Okay, so for me, it's kind of a toss-up between DeVries and Signs, but I'm going to give it to Signs. I think starting P18 and picking off midfield cars one by one, despite them having DRS, was beautiful. And like I mentioned before, just calling his own tire strategy is unfortunately probably necessary at this point with Ferrari, but incredibly (laughs) impressive nonetheless. And he had made it to P5 in only 11 laps, as Sarah said, Bummer to miss out on podium, but just overall, well done to signs for that drive. Yay, Tiggy. I'm very happy for you that Carlos has his moment and that you definitely um, highlighted him there. Way to go, Carlos. For me, I think my MVP, I'll have to go with Nick DeVries. I think he had an unreal showing, and it's just such a great story since this was definitely a make or break moment for him. You know, he's not one of the youngest drivers, so I'm a huge fan. Very happy for him, and I hope to see him next year. Chessa, I was split because I do want to say DeVries, but I think I have to also go with Science. I totally agree with Tiggy, and it's so difficult to break through an entire midfield DRS train. And Charles V. Mack showed that it wasn't as if Ferrari had just the best outright pace on the grid. So I definitely think DeVries deserved getting driver of the day, but I think Science would have gotten it on an ordinary day. All right. So getting into our least valuable players, I am going to say Lando. I think... I know it's a little bit of a spicy one and some of this probably wasn't totally his fault, but I think just despite starting P3, he had a, he had a slow start overall, not a great race. And while I do love the, the comms radio, it was super funny. It was also pretty sassy, like telling your race engineer to basically (laughs) shut their mouth. So I don't know. I think Lando didn't, didn't do it for me this weekend. Yeah. That radio was so funny when we saw it, (laughs) we were just like, Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, so funny. Also, we were all in France watching this. That was also fun. (laughs) I am going to have to say Aston Martin as just an organization. I don't know who to blame here, but just Aston Martin overall. Seb deserves so much more than this in his final season. He's had so many Q1 knockouts and then has car problems again this weekend. And then a double DNF in the race for mechanical failures. Just total train wreck. And I really hope I just really hope Seb can at least get a couple nice races to finish off his career. Yeah, he's got to finish on a strong, strong foot. 
So I hope so too. Okay, so my LVP is a little bit somber. This feels wrong, but I'm going to go with Checo. Given just how superior the Red Bull car seems to be, like we see Max dominating in it week after week, I'd love to see Checo fighting more and being a little bit more in contention for podium podium positions and just more points overall. I will cut him a little bit of slack, though. I think since Max is the top driver for Red Bull, it could be possible that the car being built and adjusted and tinkered with more with Max's driving style in mind. So I'll give Checo that, but I really start want to start seeing more from him. Okay, so we'll jump into some news. A little bit more about Colton Herta's application for the super license. We talked about this in our last episode, but AlphaTauri is trying to push it through in case Gasly goes to Alpine and they could get Herta. They're trying to get the FIA to make an exception since he's pretty close to needing all 40 points. He only has 32 right now. And the reason it's tough for Herta is because, you know, he doesn't have as much experience in F2 and F3, which is where you would get most of the points. Meanwhile, he's an Indy car where you get less points for winning races. There has never been an exception made, and the FIA is definitely very wary of granting one and setting some sort of precedence. It's interesting. Colton Herta's dad has said something, too. He said that his son should, quote, earn it in the right way, and it's incredible, and it says a lot that he's getting attention from other paddocks. The super license points are the FIA. They make the rules, and you have to respect and follow the rules. So that's interesting to hear from his dad. I think he probably thinks Herta's time will come in in the future, and so there's no need to rush it, maybe. A lot of teams are also in the camp of kind of sticking to the rules. So the FIA will decide in a few weeks by the end of the month, but I don't think it's looking too good for the exception for Herta. Speaking of F3, the final race of the F3 season ended this weekend under a red flag. Victor Martins, he only had a six-point lead coming into this final race. He was in a close battle with Isaac Hajar and Oliver Bierman in second and third. We've talked about this before, but Arthur Leclerc also races in F3. He was in P6. So basically what happened in this race, Victor Martins, who ended up winning the championship but not the race, he started on the second row, and after a crash late in the race, a red flag was called with only five laps to go. During this red flag, Martins was issued a five-second time penalty for some track limit violations that pushed him from third to fifth. The race director then announced right after or shortly after that the race would not be restarted and would be ending in a red flag, and that the fourth-place driver, William Alatolo, was also given a five-second time penalty. So it was all very confusing. There was a red flag. The race was not going to finish. People were getting time penalties, and no one really knew how the championship would be decided. In the end, Martins did not win the race, um, and P1 went to Zayn Maloney, but the fourth-place finish was just enough and what he needed to cinch the championship title. So kind of interesting based on a lot of the safety car stuff that we'll talk about that this happened. Another piece of news, we have the Porsche deal that fell through. As we've discussed before, Porsche has been trying to strike a deal with Red Bull to enter F1. There has been some delays in the talks. We've been covering it throughout, and Red Bull has definitely been uncertain over Porsche's bid to take a 50% stake in the team. Porsche said in a statement right before the GP weekend this weekend at Monza that the talks have fallen through, and quote, the premise was always that a partnership would be based on an equal footing which would include not only an engine partnership, but also the team. This could not be achieved. Christian Horner also made some comments, of course, just hinting at Red Bull's current success, the importance of the team maintaining its independence um, as they start to develop those powertrains 
for 2026. I think they really believe in the strength of their own power unit division. They've managed to stand it up very quickly and it's very strong. And they feel like they already have access to everything they need to remain competitive against other teams. So no need for you, Porsche. So I think although Red Bull did not want to cede, you know, 50% of their ownership to Porsche, they did allegedly give Porsche an opportunity to invest in their own power unit, powertrain division, the Red Bull one. Porsche is definitely still open to F1. I don't think this was the right deal for them. So maybe they'll just need to sit around and wait for another opportunity to strike. And then finally, we would be remiss not to mention the passing of Queen Elizabeth. As the world knows, the Queen passed on the Thursday before the Monza weekend after 70 years of rule and as the longest reigning monarch in the history of the UK. There were a lot of tributes to the Queen from drivers. Most notably, Lewis's post was quite moving and there were moments of silence during the weekend and lots of tributes throughout the garages just to to say a few of them here. So Lewis and George had black rings around their roll hoops and both wore black armbands. The Red Bull team and mechanics also wore black armbands and didn't play music out of their garage as a sign of respect. Williams, Alpine, Red Bull, and McLaren also had some sort of tribute on their cars as well. And I think a lot of this is because most of these teams are are headquartered out of the UK. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacovas your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacovas. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Getting into practice. Nothing too crazy happened in practice. In FP1, the Ferraris were top two, so the Tifosi were getting some hope for the weekend. And Antonio Giovinazzi drove for Haas. As we've mentioned, he's one of the names in the mix to potentially replace Mick Schumacher, sad. And Nick DeVries drove for Aston Martin in FP1 before he found out he was replacing Albon for the weekend. In FP2, Sainz and Max were top two. Lando was also looking really good. He was in P4. He looked quite fast for all of practice. FP3, Max and Charles again, top two. Lando looked good again. And DeVries drove for Williams at this point after Albon got sick. So again, just to highlight how impressive DeVries' performance was, he drove for one team in FP1, didn't drive FP2 and thought he was done for the weekend, then had to just switch to a totally different team for FP3 and just hop into that car and get ready for quality <laughs> on the same day. 
which is wild. Just insane. That's so impressive. So for Quali, Q1, Signs played a strong team game and helped out Leclerc, but Max still got the leg up here. Vettel had some car problems, which was a bad omen for the rest of the weekend. DeVries made it through to Q2, which was awesome. Latifi got eliminated, so he was already outperforming <laughs> his teammate for the day. So in the end, we had Latifi, Vettel, Stroll, K-Mag, and Mick eliminated. Into Q2, DeVries made a small mistake that cost him a potential Q3 appearance, and we had Ocon, Botas, DeVries, Joe, and Yuki eliminated. And then Q3, we had Charles on pole. Verstappen was about a tenth off. McLaren looked pretty decent here as well. And for the top 10, we had Charles, Max, Signs, Checo, Hamilton, George, Lando, Danny, Gasly, and Alonso. But of course, with the grid penalties, this changed a lot, which we'll just get into. Okay, so jumping into the race now, first of all, it was definitely a chaotic time trying to figure out the starting grid after Kuali with all of the penalties. So I'm just going to jump into them right now and explain it because there was definitely a lot. So buckle up. First of all, why were there so many grid penalties? A lot of teams choose to take their grid penalties at Monza because of the nature of the track. The long straights make it ideal for passing and making it places much faster than if they would take grid penalties at other tracks later on in the season or in other races later on this season. So Let's talk about who took the track penalties. So here's the list. It's long. (laughs) Max, five places for a new internal combustion engine. Akon, also five for a new internal combustion engine. Checo took a 10-place grid penalty for getting a whole new V6 engine installed. And then he also took a new gearbox, although this was still within his allotted limits for the season. Botas got a 15-place grid penalty for a new internal combustion engine, a turbocharger, and the MGUH. Mick also got 15 for a new V6 engine and a new gearbox. K-Mag took a new ICE, internal combustion engine, turbo, charger, and the MGUH. Signs got a back-of-the-grid start. Initially, he was going to take the 25-place grid penalty. Did not even know that was possible for a new energy store, MGUK, and a gearbox. But then right before FP2, he also just took new control electronics, which triggered that back-of-the-start grid. Lewis, also back of the grid for his fourth power unit of the season. Yuki, also back of the grid. He started with the 10-place grid penalty after driving with his seatbelt loosened in the pits at Zandvoort last weekend. So the team took the chance to also add on a new power unit. He also got an additional three-place penalty for failing to slow down during FB2 over the weekend during the yellow flag. So very confusing based on how everything looks and the grid penalties that happen. That gets factored into the ending quality times. And then we have our top 10 starting grid for the start of the race, which was Charles P1, then George rounding up the front row. Then we had Lando, Danny, Gasly, Alonso, Max, DeVries, Joe, and Latifi. Jumping into the start of the race. So right at the start, almost everyone started on mediums, except notably Charles and Max, and then also Russell and DeVries. Leclerc had a great start. He stayed in front of Russell. And notably, Norris had a quite bad start. Max got in front of him, and then Max just continued powering through and overtaking people through turn one. (laughs) And so by lap two, Max had gotten into podium position, which is just insane. And I think Again, since this is now happening practically every weekend at this point, we forget how ridiculous that is. But he started P7 and was in podium position 
a minute and a half later. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. <laughs> and early on, we also saw signs and Checo really start cruising through the field. But a lot of the race wasn't that exciting. There was just a huge midfield DRS train, which is always tough when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll just talk a little bit about the safety car ending before we jump in team by team. So to set the stage on lap 47, Danny Ricardo pulled over on the side of the track due to an oil leak. The top three, which was Max, Charles, and George, all pitted for soft tires in anticipation of a potential mad dash to the finish. Track marshals had a hard time getting Danny's car off the track because it was stuck in gear. So it had to be lifted by a crane. And just a side note here, it was still hanging in the air like over an hour <laughs> after the race. Our friend sent us a picture from the ground <laughs> that we posted on Instagram, which was, as as she put it, just a metaphor for his season and like Seriously, what is happening with Danny. so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the safety car took multiple laps to even reach for stop in. There was some controversy on where that got let out. We were waiting for, like I said, a potential green flag to set off a race to the end or potentially even to red flag the situation, but the race was finished under the safety car. When Ferrari radio told Charles they were finishing under the safety car, Charles was like, come on, the track is clear and cue the loud booing from Tifosi and questions over whether rules needed to change and it was interesting to see the different reactions to the situation. I think even though it benefited Max in the end, Christian said after the race that we don't want to win a race under a safety car. That's something that we've talked about for many, many years. They should finish finish racing. There was enough time to get that race going. Hamilton suggested extending the race in situations like that. And Toto seemed to be the odd man out saying that the FAA followed the rules, quote, this time, <laughs> which is funny. I do kind of get the references to Abu Dhabi, but it's just so different when it's a championship deciding race versus just kind of a standard run-of-the-mill race. But I, I think it is true that all of the teams seem to be in agreement that it's not ideal to finish a race under a safety car. So I do think they should figure out something to potentially address this. So on Monday, along those lines, the FIA had a meeting and a big discussion point was safety car endings. And the FIA president called the meeting with team managers and race officials after talking to the drivers. And people have been suggesting that a race with a safety car with 10 laps left should be red flagged, which apparently is not really as easy as it sounds. Christian had actually said that this should have been red flagged. And teams had worked with the FIA last year to try to come up with a solution, but hadn't reached a consensus. And instead, voters keep things as they are. So maybe they'll come up with something better, but it's definitely a challenging issue. But one thing to, for comparison's sake, in NASCAR, they actually have something called a green-white checker, which they also refer to as overtime, where the race distance is extended to make sure there's a proper green flag finish. So it, it wouldn't be totally unprecedented if F1 tried something like this. And definitely Lewis uh, made a joke about how it they should be following the rules about ending under safety car if that's what's required, because of course that didn't happen at Abu Dhabi. Getting into the teams. So Ferrari showed up in yellow. They were celebrating 75 years since Ferrari's founding as a company. The drivers had yellow suits and helmets and the livery on the car was also yellow. There were tons of minion memes out there, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, the yellow is part of the Medina emblem. So that was cool to see them in a different color. 
And like we said, so despite Charles on podium, I think Carlos really stole the show for Tifosi this weekend. Charles overall had a good race. The strategy calls surprise probably cost him the win, although as Sarah said, it probably wasn't one of Ferrari's bigger blunders, but apparently Max was instructed to perform a strategy, quote, opposite to Leclerc's, regardless of what it was. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, I do think, I think Ferrari probably just didn't have the pace here, even if Max and Charles had been on identical strategies. Only a few laps in, Leclerc was told not to short shift on corner exits because he was having some potential engine problems. So I think, as we oftentimes see, if car one does strategy A, say goes for a two stop, then car B, the competitor, is going to try to do something different. And I think that might have been at play here. But of course, it didn't work. So who knows <laughs> what, what could have happened. But yeah, I definitely don't think it was one of their crazier, crazier calls that we've seen this season, which isn't saying much, but I don't think it was, (laughs) I I don't think it was totally tragic. Mm -hmm. And Max got booed on the podium also. And instead of condemning it, Matias said something about how they were booing the FIA, not Max, which is an interesting (laughs) take. (laughs) So for Mercedes, another race for George that on paper was great given the podium finish, but he of course, again, didn't seem that thrilled saying he was quote, satisfied with the result, but not the performance. This is the fourth podium for him in the last five races. He's sneaking up on Checo in the championship, only seven points behind, which is tough for me to see. But I have also always supported Russell for just how good uh, on the books he is as a driver. The race was definitely pretty lonely for him in third for most of the way. He said he was disappointed in the pace of the car, especially after they had felt so strong in FP1. And for Hamilton, he had a really strong drive. He went from P19 to P5, classy as always. There was literally a moment where he went on the outside of multiple cars, made his passing look like child's play. Just incredible from him. For Red Bull, so Max is on a five-race winning streak, taking his first-ever Monza GP victory and first-ever podium here. And it's also Red Bull's first podium at Monza since 2013. Like we said, within the first lap, Max had gone from P7 to in-podium position, And mathematically, he can secure the championship next race in Singapore. So that will be crazy to see if that happens. Checo, meanwhile, he got fastest lap, but otherwise not a ton to write home about. He had car problems towards the start of the race and had a flaming brake. So he had to shift the brake bias to try and cool the front brake discs, which did not help matters. So not the best race from him, unfortunately. For McLaren, there were really high hopes with McLaren locking out the second row and, of course, after their performance last year. So it was a bit of a disappointing result for them. Going into it, they didn't have super high expectations. Seidel had said that, quote, warm weather and a low downforce configuration haven't favored us in the past. And so maybe for a variety of reasons, Lando had started P3 after all the grid penalties, and then he ended up finishing in P7. He struggled a lot off the line. And then Danny had that DNF that we mentioned due to an oil leak. And this is an example of the Monza curse being alive and well. As a refresher, this is referring to the fact that the past three years, the driver who won at Monza the year before has DNF for the next year, which is crazy. So Leclerc in 2019, DNF'd in 2020, then Gasly won in 2020 and DNF last year, and then Danny won last year and DNF this year. So I guess Max is going to have his car just totally fail next year. Who knows? (laughs) But overall, a decent weekend in comparison to Alpine, who scored no points. So I guess looking for the positives there. 
Yeah, speaking of which, it was a rough day for Alpine out there. Alonso ended his 10-race point streak with his retirement due to what they think was a water pressure issue. No points for Ocon. And what's interesting is if Herta doesn't get the super license exception, then the Alpine seat is wide open again since Gasly would have to stay at AlphaTauri. And Zach Brown said that Otmar looked silly for all his commentary on how Alpine would win the Piastri fight. So the drama continues. I am sort of hoping that over the next two weeks with no races, we'll have a little bit more of like a mini silly season with some more news because there are still so many open questions. I definitely think that could happen. So unfortunately, Albon had appendicitis and was out this weekend. Williams released a press release on Saturday saying that he was being treated for appendicitis, would not be racing because he was having surgery. The surgery was successful, but he had really scary complications from anesthesia and had respiratory failure. He was in the ICU overnight. He's been removed from ventilation. He seems to be doing okay, but it's just so scary when that happens. But because of him being out, Nick DeVries went on loan to Williams for the race in Albon's seat. He definitely stole the show. He got driver of the day. A little refresher on him. He's the 2021 Formula E champion and also the 2019 F2 champion. He's also a Mercedes reserve driver, and he was signed to the McLaren Young Drivers Program from 2010 to 2019. He's Dutch. Very good friends with Verstappen. He's 27 years old, like I mentioned earlier, so not super young. But I think this race was amazing. They definitely pitted him against Latifi, Nikki versus Nick. And I think personally, it's enough to get him a seat next year. But I'm curious what you all think. Haas, there are lots of rumors flying around that Nico Hulkenberg could potentially get Mick's seat. There hasn't been an official announcement or anything about Mick's future, but Steiner has made it pretty clear that he is shopping around. We've talked about rumors <laughs> about Giovinazzi, maybe Daniel Ricciardo, maybe Nick DeVries, just everyone. And apparently former driver Nico Hulkenberg is now being thrown around as well. He was a reserve driver for Aston Martin at the beginning of the season. He drove a race, if you remember, and he's also been rumored for a potential seat at Alpine. So maybe he would consider Haas as well. And but Steiner made a comment about how big his potential list of candidates is. He said that everybody with a super license is on the list. So <laughs> we'll we'll see where where Gunther's going with that. But I don't know if there's some bad blood between Mick and Gunther or something. I don't I don't know what's going on, but some of Gunther's comments seem kind of like he's excited to get rid of Mick, which makes me sad. Yeah. In other for in other new Haas news, K Mag got a five second penalty for cutting the corner at turn one at the start of the race. So just nothing too amazing out of the Haas garage this weekend. Sad. Wrapping up with our last few teams here. So Alpha Romeo, they ended their sixth race, no point streak, thanks to Joe, which is great. Though DeVries was able to hold Joe off for ninth, it was still a great race from him. So glad to see him looking good, and hopefully that also cements his seat for next year. Botas, also sadly a victim of grid penalties. He started P15 and finished P13. So AlphaTauri, Gasly coming to congratulate Nick in Park Firm was just so wholesome. That was a very sweet thing to see. He, Gasly, was stuck in a DRS train for most of the race behind Danny and joked about how he would see Danny's rear wing in his dreams. <laughs> and Yuki, the resident king of penalties, finished P14. And lastly, 
as Sarah already mentioned with Aston Martin, just a disaster with their double DNF. But in other news, they just signed Felipe Dergovic, who is the F2 champion, as their first development driver. So we'll see if they have some good young talent in the pipeline coming along the way. Getting into our final thoughts on the race. Overall, it wasn't the most exciting race. Had a bit of a controversial ending with the safety car. Max looks like he could have a chance at getting the championship in Singapore, at least as a matter of math. So stay on the lookout for that. The final results were Max P1, Charles P2, and George P3. And then rounding out the top 10, we had Carlos, Lewis, Checo, Lando, Pierre, Nick DeVries, and Joe. The radio of the week, as we've mentioned, was Lando (laughs) saying, no comms, please. I'm busy. And for standings in drivers, notably Charles has pulled slightly ahead of Checo again, and George is only seven points behind Checo now. So we have Max in first with 335, then Charles in P2 with 219, Checo in third with 210, George with 203, Carlos with 187, and Lewis with 168. Then for constructors, Red Bull is just running away. They have 545, Ferrari has 406, Mercedes has 371, and then Alpine has 125, and McLaren has 107. So still tight in that battle for P4. So to wrap up, we have a two-week break from racing until our Singapore for the first weekend of October. We're definitely sad. We are going to miss this triple header madness, but we're hoping for another mini silly season of news updates which we'll stay on top of for all of you and a potential AMA part two coming so with that we'll talk to you later